talk about healed hearts and transformed temples. Um, so recently I've been talking about this, the cry of pain and the need for us to share our pain and share the depths of our hearts. And I've said that we are our most beautiful when we look like this. Uh, that actually expressing our pain and our emotion is a, is a good thing. Expressing who we are and what's going on is, is a wonderful thing. Um, most people, of course, apologise for expressing themselves. Uh, we've said this, I always find it ridiculous that people apologise for crying at funerals. That is like one of the things that is good to do. It's like healthy, it's good for you. Yet people say sorry about it. It's a strange place, we find ourselves in it. Uh, so don't apologise for expressing yourself. I mean, obviously, if you just like your emotions are all over the place, you might need to rein it back a bit, but... Like, most of us are probably, you know, yeah. Right. Sometimes I'm aware I have to put caveats on these things because otherwise people go, oh, he said I can just live on my emotions. Listen to the last 10 years, I've never said that. Um, but we do seem to have a negative view of expressing the cry of our hearts, expressing our emotions, of feeling the need to apologise it. But it's vital that we do explore the cry of our heart. And it's vital because of this when we have a cry in our heart that we've not voiced, we are fragmented. Our heart is in one place and the rest of us is in another. We're not in sync. We're not connected. We're not whole. And we've said this, if there's a cry in our hearts uh, and it's a cry of pain, you're already in pain. So most people go, well, if I voice it or I look at it or I dare to see it or I dare to say it, it'll be worse. Well, that's not true. It'll just be different because you're just unaware of things. So a lot of people that go through trauma, um, in order to cope, and this is really the incredible beauty of your mind, uh, repress it, they put it down, they can't remember it, they're not aware of it, um, and therefore they think it's not painful. But that's not true, because it affects them in all sorts of ways. It's just they're not aware of it. Um, And what you find when you journey with people through trauma is that you find that actually they come to realise how it is already affecting them. And that's like one of the first things they realise, this is affecting me. It's not, and it is there. And then slowly they go on this journey. Oh, actually, increasingly quickly, in my experience, people are going on journeys of being healed of this stuff, which is a little bit of what this is about. Um, so there we go. The beauty of bringing it into focus is that we can truly see it, and then we can invite Jesus into it and be healed of it. Um, and that's why we give the voice. And then last week we were talking about this. When you receive something from God, how do you hold it? So we said there are three postures you can take in terms of how you hold things, and this all comes from uh, this verse here. Fools fold their hands, yod, in Hebrew, and ruin themselves. Better one handful cough with tranquility than two handfuls coffin with toil and chasing after the wind. And we said this, that yod denotes power and authority. So you have a voice, but a fool folds their hands and does nothing with their voice. So we talked about the need for you to use the power and authority in your voice. Kofan describes a clenched fist, which is how most of us react when we receive something that we've been longing for. We hold on to it tightly because we don't want to lose it. And that's understandable. It's also unhealthy. Because if you hold on to it so tightly, you do two things. You suffocate it, which is not helpful for whatever's inside it, and you don't let anything else get in it. So it's unhelpful from two things. Whereas cough means a flat palm holding what we have lightly so we're not going to do this we're going to use our power and authority and our voice 
neither are we going to use this because it hurts us, but we're going to live like this, which is, of course, easier said than done, but that's where we want to be heading. And I want to keep going on those themes this morning because as I was in the prayer meeting on uh, Wednesday morning, I felt God say to me that the era we are entering into is an era of healed hearts, transformed temples, and open doors. Healed hearts, transformed temples, and open doors. And um, we've entered, I believe, an era, of the, an era of the miraculous and the glory of the Lord. But if we are not careful, we may miss it because this is not an era of the miraculous and the glory of the Lord like we've seen before. I believe that we are starting to see what we've always believed for and saw, which is the miracle of healing and restoration and the glory of the Lord for them the temple like never before. But we've got to be clear about what we mean by those words, otherwise we'll miss it. So when I say phrases like the glory of the Lord filling the temple or miracles of healing and restoration, most people immediately think of things external. They think of physical bodies being healed. And they think of church meetings where God turns up and it's all like, woo, woo, I can't stand up. That must be the pinnacle of my Christian faith. Well, what a load of rubbish. If that's the pinnacle of your Christian faith, I don't want it. I mean, it's nice, I'll enjoy it, but if that's the pinnacle, it's not for me, and I may as well give up now. But sadly, that's what many people have thought, is the entirety of the glory of the Lord filling the temple. Well, it's nice, but it's nothing compared to what God really wants to do. And it's really important that we correctly define words like healing, restoration, glory, and temple. Because... Most people have seen them as external things. Because that's not been true for 2,000 years. So 2,000 years ago when Jesus came, he got rid of all the external stuff and it all went internal. But for 2,000 years, much of the church is still focusing on all the external stuff. Many years ago, in fact, before, when we were, before we'd renovated upstairs, so we were downstairs, so I'd just arrived, it must have been like 2006, somewhere around there. There was a prophecy about this house. Some visiting person had come from somewhere. Uh, and it was to do with healing flowing down the walls. And that as people touched the walls of the place, they'd be healed. Um, and a few months ago, I was in here praying. And I was reminded of the prophecy. I was just wandering up and down praying. And it, it came into my mind. And I, I said, Lord, well, why, why haven't we seen it yet? At least to the extent that I believe we could and should I had a little conversation with him and I said you know and I thought well maybe maybe we hadn't seen it because at the moment I don't I don't feel like I've got a gift of physical healing and immediately when I said it I realized that I totally misunderstood the prophecy because the healing was on the internal walls not the external ones and immediately I felt like you said to me you've already got all you need Sorry, Lord. Because I realized that what he's taught me over all these years, particularly the last 15 years, is how to be restored internally yeah. and how to help other people be restored internally. I realized that that's an ability that I have learned. Perhaps it's even a gift I've got, I'm not sure. Now, that's not to say, of course, that we've not seen people miraculously physically healed. I have. I've been miraculously physically myself. 
And I've seen people through my own prayers be physically healed. But what I know is this. As I was wandering up and down in June in here, I realized that that original prophecy was already starting to be fulfilled because it was already starting to happen. But then I had this kind of, but then I sensed from that moment there would be a greater acceleration. And that evening I had this incredible encounter with God where something shifted in me. I don't know what happened, but I know that something shifted on the inside of me. And of course, the prophecy was not really about the healing of bodies, it was about the healing of hearts. It was about the healing of pain, abuse, and trauma. It was the healing of hearts. What's fascinated me in that last three months since that moment is that I have seen more healed hearts than ever before. I've seen God move into trauma like never before. I've seen God restore like never before. I've witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle of God healing hearts. And I know we are living in a time when accelerated healing of hearts is available. I have absolutely no doubt about it because I'm already seeing it. Accelerated heart healing. And of course, that's not just something I am seeing. It's something we can all see. So this is not just for me. This is for everybody. If you want it, you can have it. Because it's available. It was about the house. It wasn't about me. It wasn't a word to me. It was a word about the house. And on the walls of the house... Well, that includes all the people because you are a temple and you are being built, so it includes you, but it also means that if it's flowing in you, it can flow out of you. So that's exciting, isn't it? Well, I yeah, it might be. It's not bad. I think I'll have a Big Mac with that, please. This is true, as Paul wrote on one of his prayer blogs this week. Anything broken can be mended. Anything closed can be open. Anything lost can be found. I wanna, this is what someone wrote to me recently after they'd given voice to the cry of pain on the inside of them. And I, I'm going to share two things, two different people. I'm not telling you who they are, and I've asked their permission to share it with you. This is what they said. Things have changed. I have hope. So this was after they'd given voice to the cry of pain on the inside of them. Things have changed. I have hope. I feel like I'm able to see what happened in a different way for the very first time. Acknowledging the truth of what happened, I finally feel free. It's like the grip it had on me has gone. Don't tell me that ain't miraculous. Don't tell me miracles are not happening in our very midst. That right there is miraculous. You could spend a lot of money on counselling to get somewhere close to that. Thanks for the last two... I got this one this week. Thanks for the last two sermons. I have spent some time voicing my pain with God. I immediately felt a change and a peace. It was momentary, but I felt an internal spiritual shift. Don't tell me miracles that happen amongst us. Don't tell me God is not about a moving. Don't tell me there isn't an acceleration of things available. But of course there is a process. That's why we started three weeks ago with the cry of pain. So we're talking about holding it lightly. 
So we're going to talk about healed hearts. So when I talk about healing and restoration, I am thinking about hearts, about our internal life. I am thinking about our fragmented hearts becoming whole, which for me is in one sense even more powerful than any physical healing. You see, it's possible for someone to be physically healed and still be living in a form of hell. It's possible to be pulled up out of a wheelchair and still be living in hell. Now, hey, I want to do both. Don't get me wrong. But, but actually, I know, I know what I'm called to do as well. And I know what God's equipped me to do as well. But I also know that I can pray and your body can be healed and restored, but it is going to fail again. This is the fascinating thing, you know. So some people said to me, well, he were healed and then he died. Well, what else do you think was going to happen? No, but really, what else did you think was going to happen? Like, just because you get healed doesn't mean you're going to live forever. I mean, you are going to live forever, but your body is temporary. Your soul's eternal. Of course. And, and I'm, not, I'm not in any way minimizing the effects of physical health. My kids know what Tramadol Dad was like. When I get grumpy, they go, Dad, you're acting like Tramadol Dad again. Because <laughs> for six months, I was on a lot of Tramadol and numerous other painkillers. I, I know what it's like to be in her health. I couldn't sit at a table to have a dinner for more than five minutes. I'd say, eat some mouthfuls, go back, lie down, come back. That was my life for a number of months. So I know what ill health is like. But I also know that if your heart's right, it's easier to cope with. Don't get me wrong, I want both. I want both. But I just know where I'm at. And I've prayed for both and I've seen both. But I just, part of me just goes, but your heart, that's going to stay with you forever. And your heart gets you through anything and everything. And if your heart's fragmented, then even if your body's whole, you're still fragmented. And often, often, when people's hearts get healed, the bodies get healed automatically. That's the truth of it. Nearly every single person I've prayed for felt a release of physical pain at the same time as the healing of the heart. Because a broken heart causes your body pain. Not every time, and it's not always like that. I'm not suggesting that every external issue is an internal issue. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying that a lot of the time, when we find healing in our hearts, our bodies come back in alive. Yeah. I met a beautiful couple up in the northeast the other week who, who have a really beautiful heart and see, see thing, life in the way that we see it, which is just beautiful. And um, they asked people this question. Like Phil said, how are you doing? It's a rubbish question. They asked this, how's your heart? What a beautiful question. I mean, it's a bit... Hmm. Can't you just ask me how I am? It's easier to answer, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, how's your heart? They understand where it's at. They understand what really matters. What matters is your heart. Is it aching? Is it broken? Is it hardened? Is it melting? Is it shared with anyone? Have you heard the cry of it with anyone? How's your heart? Maybe it's a question we should ask each other a bit more often. How's your heart? But I want to encourage you. God heals hearts. That's what he does. 
and I'm saying it more, and I'm seeing it quicker, which I am ridiculously excited about. So healed hearts, transformed temples. Let's talk about transformed temples. Because they're the same, really. It's just the same thing from a different angle. I've already said that I believe we have entered an era of the miraculous and the glory of the Lord. And that miraculous for me is about our hearts and the healing of our hearts. This is also why it's miraculous. Nobody else in the world has figured out how to do it. No counsellor or therapy can actually heal your heart. Not like Jesus can. I know because I've talked to people who've gone through multiple counsellors, therapists, programmes, like multiple ones. And they've been helpful. I'm not suggesting they're not helpful. Many of them are extremely helpful in trying to unpack it and work through it. But actually the healing of your heart, there is only Jesus that can do that. Nobody else can do it. And there are a lot of people with broken hearts right now. Now, I'm not, I'm not, you know, of course, people have gone through stuff in the past that was painful and difficult and awful, and they may or may not be aware of it. But this last six months has broken a lot of hearts. There's a lot of broken hearts because you can't see your grandkids or your parents. There's a lot of broken hearts because you can't grieve properly. There's tons of broken hearts, but you have the ability to give the healing of a broken heart to somebody. Yeah. But we've got to start to just see it. And I'm telling you, it's a time of acceleration. But you've got to step out in faith. I mean, who would have thought me talking about mouldy walls this morning going, I ain't got really a clue what I'm doing from Leviticus chapter 14. Who starts a meeting in Leviticus chapter 14, really? <laughs> hey? And yet there we go, and there's this beautiful flow. Yeah. But, but I'm modelling it for you all the time. Okay, step out then. Step out. I tell you, there's he- hearts that can be healed this week through you. Yeah, yes, that's right. They can be healed through you. All you've got to do is listen to somebody's pain and in a very non-spiritual way just go, you know what, I can see your heart's breaking. Can I just ask that Jesus might touch you and heal it for you? You're really going to say someone's going to go, no, thank you? And even if they do, well, I'll just pray for them anyway when you go. <laughs> Either pray for them when you're there or pray for them when they're gone. And then ask them the next day, how's your heart? You'd be surprised. You see, if you're not sleeping... If you're struggling with anxiety, if you are in such a deep place, in fact, if you are watching this right now and you are not sleeping in particular or you're struggling with anxiety, I pray that God would heal your heart and that you would sleep well tonight in the name of Jesus. And if you do sleep well tonight, the Bible says, test me in this and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good, it says. And if you sleep well tonight and that's unique for you, find out more about Jesus because I tell you, only Jesus can do that. You can get some pills from the doctor, but they don't work half as well as Jesus. And you don't have to go to doctors, you've just got to get Jesus. Thank you. But you see, it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy. It's not hard. Start with the simple things. People aren't sleeping, just go, can I pray you'll sleep? The amount of people I have prayed for who sleep well. I've prayed for people, they've, like, they've slept so well they forgot to get up for work. They rang me up and said, Adam, I got told off by my boss. I was like, don't blame me, yeah. <laughs> No, but really, come on, you've got faith to pray somebody can have a good night's sleep, haven't you? Yes. Eh? I'm not asking you to pray they're going to be relieved of 50 years of abuse, all right? Just pray that they'll sleep well. Yeah. Let's start there. Let's start in a place where we can go, okay, I've got faith for that. Okay, there we go. But you can do that. And I tell you, it'll work. Anyways, glory. The glory of God, temples. This is a verse from the Old Testament when there used to be a big building, brick building, tons of walls. 
Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. So this is a physical place and a physical manifestation of the glory of God. And often in the Old Testament we read that that glory is like a cloud or a light that fills a physical place. as a sign of God's presence and glory because the temple, this place, was where God lived and it was a sign that he was with them. But then Jesus, as I already read, makes it very clear because he goes, look, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. And they went, well, it's taken 46 years and you're going to raise it in three days. But he was speaking of his body because for Jesus, the temple wasn't the center of the earth anymore. The physical place was not the center of the earth anymore. God had turned up in human flesh and was walking amongst them and God had no desire to go back behind a curtain in a cold, dark building any longer. He would live and breathe and move through us and in us, which is why Paul writes this. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And remember... You, remember, are the temple. Okay, so it's not about anything physical, it's about you. So if the glory of God's going to fill the temple, where's it going to fill? It's going to fill you. You're going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. It means, and if we are entering an era of the glory of the Lord, it means you have entered an era of the glory of the Lord in you. And if we're entering a time when the glory of the Lord will increase more and more, that means him in you is going to increase more and more. Describing and defining glory is it's difficult. It's like a weighty thing. In fact, the word in the Hebrew actually means like weighty. But you could say, as Paul did on, if you want to know more about the glory of the Lord, by the way, Paul did a couple of videos uh, earlier this week, one and two. They're on Facebook, they're on YouTube, so... He says this, you could say it's his virtue, the essence of his being poured forth. It's like golden light. And so, for example, when Jesus is seen by three of his disciples, uh, as he really is, if you like, he's described as one whose face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Or in Habakkuk 3, we read that his splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Or perhaps you could think of it like this. If a video camera had been placed in front of the tomb of Jesus... It wouldn't have filmed a lone man emerging from a grave, which would have been resuscitation more than resurrection. More likely, it would have captured something like beams of light extending in all directions. And of course, we've been calling for light in the last few months. We've been praying, asking God for light because we want to see better. Asking light to shine in the dark places in our hearts. Well, that's really what it means for glory to come. It means light is going to come. Resurrection meant light had appeared and it was like the, the resurrection light, the resurrected Christ was now everywhere in light. For, so for the glory of God to come, it means light to shine in our hearts, to show up the dark places, the dark corners, so the dirt and the dross can be cleaned up and the glory of God left in its place. But that's why the cry of your heart is so vital because if you don't give the cry of your heart and you don't voice it and you don't give it to him, you don't make room for the glory. You are a glory carrier, but you've got to make room for them all. If you don't share the pain, the frustration, the suffering, there is no space for the glory of the Lord to fill. This is how Jesus defined the glory of God. It's the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus, he's died, he's in a tomb. Jesus turns up seemingly a little bit late. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Okay, well, what happened next? 
What is the glory of God? The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Glory, as defined by Jesus, looks like a dead man walking. It looks like resurrection. It looks like that which was lost becoming found. It looks like that which was broken becoming made whole. That is what glory is. So what does the glory of God look like? It looks like anything that is redeemed, restored, resurrected, made new, made whole, put back together however you want to describe it. The glory of God looks like you, restored and made whole. But listen, this is not an either-or situation. You see, I think it's going to happen more and more and more. But if you go looking for it in some external church meeting or some presence of God or something, you'll miss it. Yeah. Now, that may well still happen. But it's not the fullness of it. To be honest, that's been happening since like 3,000 years ago, so it's not very new. But the beauty of it, the newness of it, is when you see it in a life. Is when you see a person's life restored. Is when you see somebody. Now listen, you are human. Yes, you're all human. And you are made in his glorious image, therefore you already reflect his glory. Whether you're aware of him or know him or not, you are glorious because you reflect the one who is glory. Yeah. So this is not an either-or situation. This is not, well, I, do I have glory? No, 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 you are glorious. You're a human being. You reflect the glory of God. He made you. You're stunning. But of course, it might be, it might be that you can become even more stunning and reflect even more of the glory of God. Everyone in their humanity reflects a little bit of his glory. When I was in Boys Brigade, we used to have to clean our, we, used to, we wore these ridiculous uniforms, okay? So I was in Boys Brigade, we had a Thunderbird hat, all right? We had a, a white haversack, all right? And then we had this leather belt with things on and a blue shirt. I don't even know why, but anyways. Actually, I do know why, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was a great time to be part of a unit. Anyways, never mind. Boys Brigade, it's still going, I think. Um, but you'd have, to, you'd have a uniform inspection every week. So you, you, you had to shine your shoes, you had to clean your belt, you had to clean your haversack, and the, the belt was brass. So the buckle on the belt was a brass buckle. So on a Monday tea time, before I went to Boys Brigade at half six, I'd get the brass out and a duster and I'd furiously rub this belt. And I'd rub my haversack, that were a pain, because the haversack were white, but the buckle were brass, so you had to get a bit of plastic in between it, because if you got brass on the white, oh. I think it probably taught me something useful. But anyways, there is a point to this story. I'm just trying to work out what it is. Oh, yeah, there. The brasso would take off all the imperfections, all the impurities. And I used to love walking in a boys' brigade with a bright, shiny belt and the, my, my crisp white haversack and the buckle just shining. I used to love it. I'd have my shoes shiny. I always did well at the inspection. <laughs> Didn't have any nails to clean because I bit them down so low they weren't any, so that was all right. <laughs> it took a lot of effort some days to get that brush shining brightly. It took a lot of elbow grease, a lot of time. The effort needed to allow more glory to shine through you is the hard work of sharing the cry of your heart. When you share that cry, when you voice it and you release it, you make space for more glory to fill your life. 
And this is what I've realized. We're going to talk about this next week. But the more glory fills your life, the more you find doors open. And the more opportunity you get to influence other people for that. So let's go back to that verse in Chronicles. Now the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Well, that's always been God's heart that the glory of the Lord would fill the temple. And when the glory of the Lord fills the temple, it's, it makes a difference to its surroundings. Yeah. It's obvious and it has an impact. Well, since you are the temple and since you are already and will increasingly be if you'd like to be filled with the glory of God, then you can fully expect to have a great impact on those around you. When, when, when the glory filled the temple, the priest couldn't perform the service. In other words, it had an impact. It affected people. It made an impact on them. But listen, the more you express the cry of your heart, the more you give voice to that which is on the inside of you, the more you are filled and the more you impact the world around you. And then you find that doors start to open for you to move through that maybe we'll talk about next week. But it has to happen in that order for it to last. That is the process. If you want to build a legacy, if you want to make a mark on this world, then it's got to happen in that order and keep on happening. This is not a one-off thing. This is a way of life. Voicing the cry, holding it with an open palm, filled with his walking, glory, walking into greater depths and greater influence. That is a way of life. And when it becomes a way of life, a way that you live on a daily basis, then your capacity increases and your ability to carry the weight of the glory of the Lord rises somehow. It's like, if you live like that continually and you're voicing the cry and you're holding things lightly, it's like your ability to carry more grows. But it's got to become a way of life. So I know that pretty much everything in my past, God shone his light on it. I know it's before him. I know it's shared with somebody. I know somebody knows about it. And I know Jesus knows about it. And I'm always going, Lord, if there's anything more, tell me it. But that don't mean that this week there isn't something to tell him about. That, that don't mean yesterday there wasn't something to tell him about. Of course, there may be these, these big things. That we, but, but then, okay, but, but this week, what's the cry of my heart? This week, what happened do I need to share with him? Today, what do I need to say? What's the cry of pain that's going on this week? So I take time every week. I go, I take myself off. I sit in a cafe and I write. And I write the cry of my heart for this week. This is what's going on. And even if I've already told two or three people, I still write it. I still write it. So I speak it and I write it. And then I pray it. And then I invite him into it. And what you find as you do that is it just becomes normal. But it all starts with voicing the cry you have. But I want to encourage you, we are in a time of accelerated healing for hearts. And we are in a time of seeing the glory of the Lord in greater measure. But it is not going to be primarily, I don't believe it's going to be primarily in a meeting like this. Although we will have wonderful times together, and we do. And they're going to keep on being wonderful. 
but it's going to be in our lives and in our hearts. And that's why it's really important we get together and tell each other about it. Because you see, even though you were built, and if you've been here a while, you've been taught and trained to look internally, there's still a massive temptation to look externally. And then you see things in other places that look externally like, wow, that's amazing. And it's wonderful, it's fantastic. But listen, there's a different fullness that we've got available to us. I mean, everybody's got it. But you see, if you don't meet with each other and share with each other, it's easy for your eyes to drift and go, that, that must be what it means. Yeah, but for me, anywhere, a transformed temple, because this is the temple, is the pinnacle of the Christian faith. That is the Everest of walking with Jesus. Because one transformed temple can go and transform lots of other temples. But if it's just in a meeting, well, it's wonderful for those people, but what about all the people who are not in the meeting? What about all those people who never walk into a meeting? But if you're transformed, yeah. and you take that to everybody you meet, well, then you've got an opportunity to actually make a difference everywhere you go. Amen? Amen. Just one final thing. Sorry, there was a line I wrote that I never said, but I think I need to say it. There we go. There has to be a cry. You have to voice that which is on the inside of you. You have to overcome the voices in your head that scream at you, it can't happen for you, that you are not worthy, that you are too broken, too hurt, too far gone. There is nothing too painful for Jesus to heal, nothing too broken that he can restore. I want to leave you with these words. Anything broken can be mended. Anything closed can be opened. Anything lost can be found. Nearly everybody I have talked to believes that that's true for everybody else, but not them. But it's been true for everybody that's been willing to go there. Everybody. Shall we pray? Father, I just want to thank you that you, you are in the habit of transforming lives. You are in the habit of healing. You are in the habit of bringing about restoration and redemption and making us whole. That is what you do, Jesus. And Father, I just want to pray particularly right now, Lord, for anybody who, as I've been speaking, they're aware of things that they want to give a cry to. 
they want to give voice to Lord, but, but their voices in their head are saying all sorts of things about why they shouldn't and, and all that. Father, I just want to lift those people specifically up to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your goodness. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you were a safe place. And that when we do voice that cry to you, Lord, you do meet us in a most beautiful place. I want to thank you, Father. And Lord, for, for all of us, Father, just as Phil said, we all have bits of the wall that are high and bits that are really low. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that, that those bits of the wall that are a bit lower, Lord, we wouldn't just build on the high bits because they're the easy bits, but we'd look at the, the lower bits, Lord, and just voice it to you. I want to thank you, Lord, that even as we voice things to you, you meet us in that place. And I want to thank you that you do not discriminate at all. But that same healing is available for everybody and anybody. There is no one who is excluded from it. Mm -hmm. And I thank you, Father. And I pray as well, Lord, that as we go from here, Lord, that you would, you would just again, Father, just give us that boost of faith to believe that we can be people who can impart your healing to hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just on that front, by the way, as well. Of course, we had a time a little while ago, and God gave all sorts of gifts, and there was an ability for us to move in more prophetic things. That's still there. I feel like some of us have forgotten about it a little bit, and we've kind of thought that was for a few Sundays. No. The gifts of God are irrevocable, it says in Romans 13, I think. Okay, so once you've got it, you've got it. So listen, this week... Maybe you've got to voice something of your own, but be on the lookout for people who are voicing their cry to you. You have a solution. Whatever you've got faith for, you go for it. All right, and step out. Tell you, God, God is desperate to bring healing to anybody and everybody. He just needs somebody who's willing to share it with them. I honestly believe there'll be some beautiful things going on this week as you just go, okay, well, let me just tell you about this. And do it in your own words. Listen, we get so hung up about this stuff as though there's a right way to do it. Just share your heart. They're the friend, you're the family, you love them. Just share your heart with them. Do it your way. God will be with you and in it. Amen? Okay. Because the worst thing we can do is keep it for ourselves there. Eh? That would just be selfish. But we're not going to do that. We're going to enjoy it in all its fullness. And then we're going to share it with anybody who will listen. Well, I am anyway. Because I think it's worth sharing. Amen? Okay, well, listen, have a wonderful rest of the week, whatever you were doing. Uh, yeah, do your best to make your discipleship groups, share together. That's important. If you can be with us to pray, please be with us to pray as well. That's important as well. Okay, God bless. Love you all lots.